Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. Where we're coming to that actual point where we, well, it almost reminds you of like the baton races. I was always fascinated by baton races. If I was an Olympic track star, that's probably what I would like to run in. You know, where they have the forerunners and they do a lap and they have to pass the baton under the next runner. Well, there's sort of a passing of the baton, spiritually speaking, right now, because we're in the last days of the last event of what was the incarnation, the unfolding of that great mystery of God coming among us, which had a high point at Christmas and had other sort of booster events afterwards, all the way to recently with the encounter of our Lord in the temple with Simeon, also known in the West as the presentation of our Lord in the temple. We have a couple of post-festive days, but now we begin, and this is where the baton gets passed over, we begin now the final preparation for the next season, the season of the Great Fast, the flowering of repentance. Today in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, it is the Sunday of Meat Fair. It's our Mardi Gras. That means that we will give up meat after today. Next week, we'll give up dairy products, cheeses, and so on, so that all of the succulent, fatty, festive foods that we like so much will no longer be part of our diets, at least for the next 40 days. We do this in a, a kind of a transition, so we don't do it cold turkey. A little pun there. <laughs> We're going to go cold turkey on turkey. <laughs> no more meat of any kind after today. But what we're doing, of course, is preparing ourselves, an emphasis on preparation. We, we have to move into things. Remember, on this program, if you've listened to us at all, we emphasize certain things in particular, certain consistent things. One of those is what we call the bell curve. In other words, that sort of rising action, climactic moment, falling action, resolution, then the repeat of that rhythm. It's a very basic rhythm for everything in life, especially the spiritual life. So we move into, we have a rising action to the climactic moments in the season of Great Lent. Then we'll have another climactic moment, of course, with the resurrection. But as we move into Lent, we cannot move into those rigors all of a sudden, cold turkey. We have to ease into them and then ease out of them. 
And what we're doing is easing into, and one of the reasons why we need a transition is because if we take the great fast, Lent, seriously, it should be rigorous. There should be a lot of dying to self, a lot of stripping away, a lot of abstaining, and in its place, a lot of adding on of that which matters most, like prayer, meditation, contemplation, quiet, family together time, at least one meal a day in the household together, increased services at church, increased penance. Above all, make sure you get to confession a few times. Go every week during Lent. At least the very rock bottom, absolute minimum, at least one time during Lent. Now, these rigors, this rigorous asceticism, has a goal. The ultimate goal is, well, we're going to use some terms to describe what's going on here. We're going to throw a lot of Byzantine-type terms at you. Largely, they come from Greek, and we'll define them briefly. Our goal is what we call the mutual indwelling, the perichoresis, <laughs> the mutual indwelling of the Holy Trinity, and theoria theologica, in other words, God's infusion through his uncreated energies, and we come to live a canotic life. Okay, let me define a few things. Perichoresis, it means the indwelling of the Holy Trinity. We actually strive to open ourselves so that the Holy Trinity dwells in us. We receive this life of the Trinity at baptism and chrismation, and we animate and activate it with the Eucharist and also the other sacraments, especially confession, and any choice we make to die to self and rise to our true self, to rise to the life of Christ, the life of the Trinity. So the indwelling of the Trinity, basically you could say the Trinity dwells within us and we in the Trinity. It's really an immersion. So we call this perichoresis. Theoria theologica means God's pure infusion. It's something like when we're standing outside in the sun, and the sun's rays hit our bodies. Well, they do something to our body, whether we like it or not. They're either going to burn our skin if we're out there too long and we're not quite ready for it, or it's going and or it's going to enrich us. It's going to bring us vitamin D. It's going to give us a little darkening of our skin, a little tan that many people like. But it is going to affect us like it affects the plants, you know, in photosynthesis. So we can say that the sun's rays, in a sense, infuse themselves in us and they change us. They affect us. Now, this is what we're talking about only in terms of God. God infusing himself into us. He's already infused himself into his own creation through this past period of the incarnation, you know, Christmas and so on. But he also does so directly within us individually. But just like when we're standing in the sun, we can stand in the shade, we can stay inside, we can avoid the sun. In other words, we may not open ourselves to the sun, whether by choice or whatever. Same thing with God, either by choice or just by not realizing that we're not opening ourselves enough to God, we can avoid this infusion. I mean, God is there, but he doesn't force himself on us. I mean, he can if he wants to, but he'd rather not. He'd rather work by the principle of love. You know, love is not something that can be forced. You can give an invitation. You can make it so that you almost don't have a choice because it's so beautiful and alluring and attractive. But love can never be forced. So God knocks on our door like the rays of the sun. He strikes us, but we can step in the spiritual shade and just reject that altogether, or not realizing that we're not opening ourselves up to God's infusion. Now, 
his infusion happens by what we call in the Eastern spirituality uncreated energies or differentiations. In other words, it's like the rays of the sun. In the West, they might call this grace. It's where God moves out from himself and he touches us. We become part of his nature. He becomes part of us. That's that infusion we're talking about. But we don't become God in his essence. We can never be be God in his essence. We can never be equal to God. But we can, as the scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, we can, in fact, partake of God's own nature. We can be grafted on. Notice how all these words, in one way or the other, mean they mean basically this infusion or fusion, but without confusion. <laughs> now, that probably was confusing. In other words, it's like what we say about the Holy Trinity. Three distinct persons that become one but never confused. In other words, they never lose their identities. They don't melt into each other and lose their identities. They fuse, they become one with each other, but they don't become undistinct persons. They remain distinct, unconfused persons. Same thing between God and us. We take on and become part of God's nature. God takes us on, we take God on. We become infused in each other but never losing our identity. It's part of the great mystery of our faith and of spirituality. And we open ourselves, and this is what the rigors of Lent are about, is to open ourselves to all this, this perichoresis, this theoria theologica, this uncreated energies. We open ourselves by another word called kenosis, or a kenotic, a self-emptying. Just as God emptied himself for us in this past season, we now empty ourselves to receive him, and we contemplate God at all times. And it's our knowledge of the Holy Trinity dwelling within us and within all things that helps us to grow, to change, which brings us to another word, divinization, theosis, deification. Now, there's a particular virtue that we're going to look at that's going to help us to be infused, to partake of the life of the Trinity, to experience these uncreated energies of God, to be changed, to empty ourselves. There's a particular virtue we're going to look at, and that virtue is another word, another Greek word called nepsis. And when we talk about nepsis, we're really talking about a certain kind of vigilance. And That vigilance is a very, very big, important dimension of spirituality, especially in the East. In fact, in the Divine Liturgy, when the priest prays during the Eucharistic prayer, which in the Eastern churches is called the anaphora, which means offering, during those principal prayers, which are said out loud in many Eastern churches by the priest during the liturgy, we actually hear the priest saying that we pray that the gifts, the Eucharist, the body blood of Christ that is being transformed before us by the Holy Spirit in the liturgy, that that comes upon us. The Spirit comes upon us to change the gifts and to change us so that we will have, through these gifts, through the action of the Holy Spirit, this spirit of vigilance, of standing in absolute, constant spiritual vigilance. We're going to explain what we mean by that in greater depth when we return. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. 
You are listening to the Choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lawyer, your host. We're talking about our movement into now the new season, the next season, the passing of the spiritual baton, the liturgical baton, to the now the season of the Great Fast. And we're looking at a particular virtue that's going to help us with the rigors of the fast and also help us to reach our goal of this perichoresis, this indwelling of the Trinity, this this theoria theologica, God's pure infusion into us and we into God. Lots of terms, but basically, remember, spirituality is always simple. A lot of terms there, it seems complex, but it's actually simple. Not easy, but simple. Simple, but profound. If you want to understand it very simply, all these things have to do with our immersion into the life of God, God into us, and our conversion, our constant conversion into our true and best glorious selves. That's the whole point of, the, of all salvation history, of all that God has done, the liturgy, the prayer, the sacraments, everything is about our union with God and our being transformed into the image and likeness of God, into that person, that creature that God intended us to be in the first place. So it's actually very simple. Lots of terms and ways to get there, but it's very simple. Now, I'm going to refer to a book we talk about here from time to time on Light of the East. It's a classic called The Spirituality of the Christian East. That's pretty direct, isn't it? <laughs> the Spirituality of the Christian East by Thomas Spiedlich. And he's talking about this spirituality of vigilance, as we mentioned, of, of Nepsis. Father Spiedlich says this, To watch oneself, one should be sober and vigilant. Neptic. And he makes reference to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Anthony, that's the great spiritual master, Anthony of the Desert, Anthony opposed alertness and watchfulness to the demon's assaults. In other words, as a demon assaults us, the great spiritual masters of the Eastern churches talked about being alert, 
having that nepsis. For Hesychus of Sinai, watchfulness is the spiritual method which, if sedulously practiced over a long period, completely frees us, with God's help, from impassioned thoughts, impassioned words, and evil actions. One sentence of Evagrius, that's another Eastern monk, came to be quoted frequently because it contains a suggestive alliteration of the two words prosoki and prosuki, meaning attentiveness and prayer. When attention seeks prayer, it finds it. For if there's anything that marches in attention's train, it is prayer, and so it must be cultivated. This is what Evagris said. It will be said that attention is a mother of prayer. Guarding the entrance of the heart is above all a method of defense to repel intruding thoughts immediately. It is the theme of several sayings. Be the doorkeeper of your heart so that the stranger does not enter. Are you one of ours or one of our enemies? We should not believe these demons, but strive all the more to do the opposite. Generally speaking, the method is praxis, and in its fullness, it purifies the heart. Abstinence, especially, has already been called by Philo the destroyer of serpents. That's a good phrase. (laughs) The outstanding method against evil thoughts is called enteresis, which means counter-speaking, another term for you. When tempted by the devil, Christ replied to his suggestions with texts from Scripture and did not enter into discussion with the evil one. This is in Matthew 4. We read about certain ascetics that they knew the entire Scriptures by heart. That is, they were able to answer every question put to them with sacred text. But, more than that, they knew a good quotation from Scripture against each demonic suggestion. The classical manual of this art is the Antaridicus. Antaridicus of Evagrius, divided into eight chapters according to the number of the eight vices, and he cited scriptural texts pertinent to each thought. Now, Evagrius is someone we've talked about on this program before, and we'll do so other times as well. He was a spiritual master. He ran into a little bit of trouble in some of his beliefs later on, but see, in the East, we don't always discount someone totally, even though they kind of, uh, well, the best way I would describe it is they kind of sometimes maybe spill over a bit. You know, when a cup is full, it can sometimes spill over. That doesn't mean that what was in the cup was wrong or bad. What was in the cup is good, just that it spilled over. Similar thing happened with Origen. So if if you hear us referring to people like Origen or Evagrius, yes, they're sometimes tagged as, oh, well, they eventually ended up as heretics. Well, that's a little bit extreme, a little bit harsh. It doesn't exactly present them correctly. In fact, there's been a lot of rediscovery of Origen lately. He was a great, great mind of the Eastern Church, a tremendous mind. But yeah, he kind of spilled over a bit. But then sometimes great minds do. They kind of bring us and themselves to the edge a lot. They go where no one else goes, and sometimes they might maybe go too far. But it doesn't discount the rest of what they say. And that's a kind of an interesting thing in the East. We don't discount what someone did or said, even though they may have spilled over a bit. So Evagrius was very strong in this idea of thoughts, of being vigilant about our thoughts. Now, having bad thoughts, lust, anger, vengeance, and so on, is something we all struggle from in varying degrees because, let's face it, our minds are always working. And thoughts, as the Eastern fathers teach us, thoughts are not something we can necessarily control. They call these logismoi. In other words, thoughts that just sort of come into our mind, you know, like, like when wind comes in a window or something. We can't always control that. So we can't beat ourselves up for just having the thought. The key is what we do with the thought. 
and also how to practice the ascetical disciplines and have that vigilance, that nepsis, so that the thoughts are, well, kept away largely or kept to a minimum. They're going to happen, but we can also help keep them away. As you heard of Agra say, it's like a gate, like putting a gate on our heart and our mind. We put a gate on our mind and heart by contemplating God, by looking at the presence of God, and this past season certainly helps us with that because God has incarnated himself into our existence, so we ought to be able to see him, feel him, sense him, know that he's truly there. So we contemplate God so that our hearts, our minds are filled with those thoughts. Well, nonetheless, we're still going to get these other thoughts. So what we do is, is I call it a three-part practice. This is my own now, my own contribution. I call it see, pray, and pass on. This is especially true today when it comes to the struggles with purity of heart. Let's face it, that's a big one today because we live in a very pornified culture. It's all around us. Soft porn, basically, is all around us, as well as hardcore pornography. One of the things, especially for men, to do is what I recommend is this three-part process. To see something, we're going to see it. Or if we translate it into thoughts, we're going to think it. Okay, turn it into something. Don't let it defeat us. Seize it. Turn it into something good. You see something that maybe could be an occasion for, for lust and purity? Turn it into a prayer. See the beauty, beauty of the human body, the beauty of the image. Now, I'm not talking about pornography. Stay away from that altogether. I'm talking about what hits us when we, we can't help it. It's all over the place. Billboards, TV, everywhere. These things are going to hit us. So what we do is we look at it in a contemplative way, a mystical way. We see God's beauty in it. We say a prayer to God, thanking him for making beautiful things, and then we turn our thoughts to other things. We sort of pass on. So it's see, pray, and pass on. So just a little bit of preparation as we enter into the rigors of the season of the great fast. Although we live in a very pornified culture, and the struggle for purity of heart is a very important one, it's not the only one we struggle with. In fact, there are, in the West, they call it the seven deadly sins. In the East, we call it the eight passions which are related to these logismoi I mentioned from Abagras, in other words, these thoughts. Things begin in our mind, let's face it. We think they begin in our feelings, but they don't. That's a big fallacy today. We make everything out to be about feelings. We associate feelings with reality. But feelings are simply indicators, like the indicator lights on your dashboard. They tell you about something else. They tell you about the engine, or that your gas tank is empty. So the important thing is to pay attention to what the indicators indicate. Same thing with feelings. Feelings indicate our thought processes, our belief systems. So it's important to go there. And that's what the Eastern Fathers, the spiritual masters of the East would say, to go there. Now, in the East, they don't have seven deadly sins. They have eight. And again, they're called passions. And the list is gluttony, fornication, avarice, bitterness or dejection, anger, achidia, vainglory, and pride. So they add this vainglory in, which is actually a little different than pride. It's related to pride. All sins are related to pride, let's face it. But I want you to notice something. In the West, pride would be at the top of the list. The West, the list is pride, avarice, envy, wrath, lust, gluttony, and sloth. In the East, pride comes at the end. The first one is gluttony. The first one, the list of eight is gluttony. The last is pride. This is a great example of how East and West, as we always say here in light of the East, arise at the same place by different ways. The West puts pride at the top of the list because it is the mother of all sins. Every sin is tied to pride. In the East, we put it at the bottom 
because we say that even if all others, all other passions can be mastered, there will always, always be the challenge to master the passion of pride. Gluttony is at the top, and that's why we do a lot of fasting in the Eastern churches, because we believe that if we can control a passion as strong as hunger, then we can control all the other passions. So they put that one at the top, and that's why fasting is so much a part of the Lenten discipline. So along with custody of the heart, you know, of chastity, of seeing in a way that is pure, comes the other passions. We're going to talk more about these passions and look for some guidance as we move through this period of the Great Fast, the flowering of repentance, which ultimately leads us then to that indwelling of the Holy Trinity. I thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Why do we need Catholic Radio? Because not everybody is sitting in front of a computer or watching their television set at home. How about when driving to work? Catholic Radio is there for you. I may be a Catholic priest, but I'm still a student of the faith. And Catholic Radio helps supply good material, whether it be a question and answer format show, whether it be a show itself on doctrine or theology. I myself, as a priest, am always learning. Father Wade thinks Catholic Radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!